Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. All right, welcome back to On the Up and Up. I'm so excited to talk about today's topic because it sounds really scary. It's one of the things that many of us as entrepreneurs didn't realize that we would have to speak to when it came to starting a team. Um, But it affects every single thing that we're doing each day when it comes to managing our team. So today we're talking about creating a culture of inclusivity. So there are really two sides to this. So we're going to go full Enneagram 7 in this episode and just do like a shallow end dive into each of these elements of this very important topic, possibly the most important topic, um, depending on who you talk to. And there's going to be two different sides to it. So the first is going to be the kind of legal and ethical side to making sure that you as an employer are not contributing to some of the discrimination that's out there at work and also talking a little bit about some examples of what that looks like and who's enforcing all of this anyway, those mysterious like Wizard of Oz people in the sky that are we're hearing all this stuff about, but we don't really have to see too often, especially in the beginning stages of starting your team when you haven't actually had to interact with the powers that be essentially that come with these important issues, but they will, you will eventually. So it's good to kind of have an idea of what's out there. So it's not totally freaking you out or even preventing you from starting a team because it sounds so scary. The second side of it is really how all of that contributes to creating a culture of inclusivity, making sure that you actually have a diverse and inclusive and safe culture for all types of people. um, And what some of those kind of basic things that come with ensuring all of that uh, mean and what they actually look like and how to tangibly build them. So hopefully this is really helpful for you. And also, I don't think that you should walk away from this episode thinking, oh, now I know everything about this. But instead, just understanding that creating a culture of inclusivity is truly derived from your requirement to do so based on the standards that our government and our laws have set um, and basically being a good person. So (laughs) making sure that you have a space where people deserve to work and to make sure deserve to work in a place where they're not being abused or threatened or discriminated against and everyone has an equal opportunity. So in many areas of business, there's a simple expectation We have different departments in our businesses, um, even if it's just a few of us working versus if we have a thousand people on our team. So keep in mind that while we have a lot of opportunity to talk about how everyone is siloed into their own individual departments, this is one of those issues that covers everybody. So yes, your HR person or your HR expert or the person that you have on your team that's tasked with ensuring that you're doing everything right is going to play a huge role in driving the culture forward, especially in an inclusive environment. Everyone is really equally in charge of ensuring that all of this is really put into practice. And there isn't just cultural implications, there are legal ones. 
So I'll dive right in here. Every department has its own initiatives that are clearly outlined. Everyone is working towards the same goals. So today we're really going to talk about making sure that you have policies in place at your company that are going to build towards a culture of inclusivity while also keeping everyone on the same page so that everyone can do the job that they're hired for and that they're trained to do. So building parts of a inclusive culture into the very beginnings of your training from your focused new hire orientation to your individual one-on-ones with each team member is going to be really important. So there is education that should go across the board with all of your managers to make sure that we're not making these mistakes. So the mistakes can be really, really costly. Um, I'll just throw out these numbers because it's really important and you can check the show notes for the link um, to make sure that you're, we're always, you know, talking about making sure that we can back up our claims. But these are not meant to scare you. They are just meant to show the importance. So for example, labor law posters are really important, but a labor law issue, poster issue is going to be something that's not going to put you out of business. It's going to cost you a thousand dollars, a couple thousand dollars, depending on how many people you have on your team. Um, It's an oversight issue. It's not necessarily a cultural issue. Whereas settlements for complaints average about $40,000 when it comes to discrimination. And they can go up to 300,000, depending on the employer size. So while that does sound really, really scary, it is scary. And I'm not here to make it seem like it's not okay to, or seem like it's okay to skip over this part of your business. However, I am here to say that you can walk away from this episode being able to make sure that you're protecting yourself at the most basic level. But more importantly, I challenge you to look at this as an opportunity to protect your team and your future team members. So Let's just dive right into some of the some of the stats. So 46% of employees believe that they are discriminated at work. I guess you guys can probably guess where a lot of those issues are coming from based on conversations that you have with your friends, with your colleagues, with your coworkers, even with experiences that you've had. are settled out of court, which means that the company is paying a settlement to the person claiming the issue. And 95% of Equal Employment Opportunity Commission district district court cases are successful, which means that the employers are held liable 95% of the time. So once those cases do get to court, it's you're fairly certain that you're going to be one of those companies that are paying for the mistakes that you made. So I just want to take a couple quick steps back here and talk a little bit about what the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission is, um, mostly for selfish reasons, because I don't want to have to say that every time we call it the EEOC. <laughs> so it uh, the EEOC is a federally federally sponsored agency that's responsible for enforcing the laws that prohibit discrimination against job applicants or employees based on what we call protected classes. So those protected classes are going to be things like race, skin color, religion, sex, pregnancy, gender identity, sexual orientation, national origin, so ethnicity, age, especially 40 or older. There are different things that you have to do for your team if they are 40 years or older. Um, especially if it comes to layoffs or things like that, um, or and disabilities. So while there have been many protected classes to this um, added to this discussion over the years, those are the basics, and those are the ones that we hear the most about. So what we like to do is make sure that everyone understands that 
when we have our, when our companies really want to make sure that they're fulfilling their part when it comes to discrimination and when it comes to making sure that they're creating a place that has an equal opportunity for all their employees is that they understand their rights as individuals. Um, the way that we can do this is not to show them how our company can be, can, can get into trouble, but essentially to make sure that we're building a discrimination-free environment, building a culture that is employee-centric, meaning that the culture is based around the employee's well-being and the work product result comes as, or the worked product comes as a result of the employee-centric culture. And keeping in mind that one of your jobs, maybe your most important job as a CEO, is to protect your company and your employees, which should be one and the same. So where we hit a lot of friction here is when people don't see that their company and their employees protecting them is the same exact task. So if we're thinking that your company falls on the opposite side of conflict as your employees in every situation, then you're going to have a lot harder time creating a culture of inclusivity. So what I wanted to just point out here before diving too much into the things that you can do to make sure that your culture is really, really on point and that you are always working towards creating a more productive and inclusive culture is to just ensure that you are acknowledging that the old way of management, the old way of helping your employees thrive, of giving them KPIs and leaving them to handle tasks in a project management system, the old way of, and I'm talking even old, like starting out in 2020 when people started to move to the remote environment and everything became super asynchronous for a little while and nobody really was tied to the same mission or they weren't necessarily attached to the same focus each day as their team members, even in other departments, is we want to make sure that we're using this as an opportunity to create really robust and nuanced conversation with our team members about how they're feeling about their jobs and the interactions that they have with their coworkers. So a lot of times when it comes to discrimination, the biggest issue is not going to be with a CEO and an employee, but it's usually going to be who is in charge of them. So one of the things that we talk about a lot with our clients, especially in small business, is that if you have supervisors that are literally supervising the productivity of your team members, they need to be trained and held to a standard in which they understand what the company's responsibilities are and keeping those employees safe. Otherwise, the efforts that you're making from the top down to build an inclusive culture are going to go completely out the window. Um, so anyone that you have in your business that's supervising or supporting any other person in your business really needs to be understanding of the culture that you're trying to build and the responsibilities that they have. So it's really hard to talk about this in a way that isn't it's not a generic thing for everyone. Yes, of course, we want to make sure that we're always creating a culture of inclusivity, but everybody's culture is going to look different. So how that's going to actually come about is going to be different for everyone's business. If you just you know downloaded an employee handbook off of some website, then it's not going to be able to support you in this. Um, it is going to be able to protect your company, but 
and in some cases your employees, but you're not actually using it to drive your culture forward. So it's a huge missed opportunity to use your employee handbook and your employee policies for all that they're worth. So I want to talk a little bit more about how to ensure inclusivity in your culture. So if we're able to establish those ethical and universal company policies across the board, and we're able to set a precedent that is showing that our entire company stands behind our goals of ensuring inclusivity across the board on our team, then it's setting a precedent for how each of our individual employees can be treated. So this is really where good documentation comes into play, good communication between management comes into play, and how hiring a manager to come onto your team and fulfill your company culture is not just a one-size-fits-all type of task. You have to make sure that you're bringing them in to the cultural side of your business. Using universal company policies is kind of like building SOPs for your culture. So what that means for you is that when we're talking about SOPs, meaning standard operating procedures, the checklist, the videos, the training that you're doing for tasks to be completed in your business, we want to think about our company policies in the same way. So our company policies are going to be the end result of a variety of different cultural issues that come up when running a business of a lot of different employees with a lot of different ideas from different backgrounds, from different places, um, different opinions, different feelings, different emotions. So keeping that in mind is going to be, sometimes I think it helps with small businesses to think about your company policies in that way, because it lets them kind of do the heavy lifting for you in the way that we've been told that SOPs can do the heavy lifting for you when it comes to training employees. Now, that's a whole other discussion, um, but SOPs are obviously really helpful as time goes on and as you want to make sure people are trained and you don't have to do the same type of routines over and over and over again. And But that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't require maintenance and review over time as your as your company gets more efficient, as new automations are put in place, things like that. So think about those legal implications that come with building a company culture as the things that you have to maintain. But generally speaking, your employee handbook can house all of your company policies to ensure that everyone on your team is being treated fairly and equally. And your team members and your managers should have a full, solid, and clear understanding of those company policies because then your culture can be can sort of roll out naturally. If you don't have that solid foundation in place, you're going to be chasing your tail a lot. You're going to be talking to your team about, that's not the way I want this company run, or this is a really great example of the type of culture that I want to have, you know, those types of things. And that's a really heavy lift. Um I think that when we talk, I, I'm kind of sick about of talking about company culture as a concept. I feel like a lot of people understand it now. I know I probably will be talking about it till the day I die. But I think when we're talking about it in a more tangible way, this is really the way to do it, is to make sure that you have those policies in place that are setting precedences for the way people are treated at your company so that it can be an equal opportunity for everybody. The second step to ensure inclusivity in your culture is to educate and model behaviors in alignment with your policies daily. So that means that every single time that you have an employee with an issue or a question or a discussion about um, the way something's being run or the way that a client is being interacted with, those types of things are all opportunities to model behaviors that are aligned with the way that you want your culture to be. So it's one thing to have your company policies written in a way that is embracing inclusivity and embracing 
the differences among people and the backgrounds of people. But it's another thing to give space and essentially airtime to different opinions and different beliefs within your company and your team culture. So it's really important to make sure that you are not married to the way that you feel like things should be in your business, especially when it comes to the interpersonal relations of your of your team members, disagreements, conflict resolution, all of that stuff. Of course, we want to bring our personality to that and being really solid and understanding who we are as a leader, um, which is all about that management education. But really, we want to make sure that every single day, we're not just making decisions on the fly. We're not just making decisions off the, you know, top of a hat, we're actually thinking about the why behind the what when it comes with how we're modeling the behaviors that are really in alignment with your company policies that are driving forth a discrimination-free environment, keeping your company and your people safe, as well as driving forth a culture that is inclusive and that's fun to work at and that is in alignment with the mission of your company overall. The third thing, and there's so many other ways to ensure inclusivity in your culture, but the last one that I want to touch on today is prioritizing streamlined management practices and educational opportunities. So there are so many seminars and programs and courses and things like that that come up along the way for your team to participate in in order to educate themselves on how to be better managers, how to be better at their job, how to be better marketers, you know, how to be whatever their actual job is within your company. There's so much education out there now. However, it's your job to make sure that you're prioritizing the streamlined management practices and educational opportunities. So if you want your managers to be pushing forth a culture that is reflective of who your company serves, what you look for in employees, how you like to work as a CEO or as a manager within your team, And you have to make sure that the things that you are supporting them in doing when it comes to their educational opportunities are in alignment with your actual mission. There are so many schools of thought out there, which is great. And we don't want to be a filter for other ways of thinking. However, you're not going to have someone in your company take a management course that is strictly about metrics and disciplinary action if your way of managing and the way you want your culture to be is more nuanced, more conversational, and focused on growth and things like that. You're going to want to sign them up for something that you can stand behind and that you practice as well. So I think this is a mistake that a lot of business owners make when it comes to these more nuanced topics, um, especially when it comes to building a company culture, is thinking that every piece of information and education out there is good education. And when it comes to you as a CEO, it probably is. But if you're a manager or if you are managing a team of managers or directors, it's really important that you're prioritizing the culture that you want to create before you're offloading types of education. So in a really, really simple, um, a really simple example of this is going to be thinking about if you were to, let's say you had a, an employee that was causing some issues on the inclusivity side. Maybe there was some signs of intolerance for other people's views or Perhaps there's issues with racism or misgendering employees or something like that. 
you're probably, and you are not, it's not okay with you, then you're probably not going to want to just say, oh, hey, here's a seminar I found on how to communicate in a more inclusive way and sending them to it without ever actually vetting what's going on there. You actually would want to make sure that if you're not educating them yourselves on what's going on within your business and you're not vetting the the education that's across the board, especially for people who are working hand in hand with other employees, then you are not going to be able to stand behind what they're learning. And it might set you off on two separate paths, which is going to cause more friction in the long run. So in short, you know, there's a couple of different ways to, a couple of different sides and reasons to focus on creating a culture of inclusivity. One side is building that really solid set of policies, procedures, and cultural standards in which everyone on your team is going to follow and protecting that space through streamlined management practices, educational opportunities, and modeling your own behaviors. The other side is the legal and ethical side, and actually understanding that the EEOC works to create spaces of fairness and equity across the board for our employees at a federal level here in the U.S. And what does that look like for you and what responsibilities do you have the second that you decide to bring an employee on your team? So that's all we've got for today. Um, Just keep in mind that consistency and continuity across the board in practice and in message will create safety for your team to bring up issues regarding discrimination, bias, or even harassment. So while we do want to make sure that we're always creating a space and a culture of inclusivity, and we're, we're do, we believe that we're doing every single thing right, at the end of the day, we can still, we want to make sure that we're stepping into that, that at the bare minimum, understanding that we're stepping into that place where we're feeling like we are consistent and everything is across the board, good as gold, and we're the same, and everyone understands what's expected of them. We still have to make sure that we're constantly creating a space for our company and for our team to bring up any issues that you're ha- they're having with discrimination, bias, or even harassment. So those are all discussions for another day. But for now, make sure that you realize that creating a culture of inclusivity isn't just a one and done situation. It's an ever evolving and growing discussion that is cared for and tended to um, in a way that is going to propel the company forward, which also prepares your propels your team forward. Um, But anyway, I hope this was helpful for all of you. Uh, Stay tuned because in the next couple of months, our management course is going to be available for purchase, not only for you as a leader, but also for your team members to find a space to grow within their management potential and make sure that there are a lot more discussions that are important, like creating this inclusive culture within your team um, without necessarily feeling a little weird about it. So Hop on in and make sure that you're checking that out. And in the meantime, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Paradigm with two M's, which you can find that linked in the show notes, as well as a big thank you to Wenzel Fenton. Their blog is awesome, especially when it comes to HR related law. Um, But check out their blog in our show notes as well. If you're listening to this, you've stuck with me for this entire episode. And for that, I say thank you. I hope you found as much value in this week's topic as I do. 
If so, be sure to follow, rate, and review on the Up and Up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too. Follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of On the Up and Up.